following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Are you ready for a break? Uh, Yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Tuesday, October 5th, 2021, Season 17, Episode number 34. Welcome to the latest edition of... Of the break, we are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Nick, 34, what comes to mind? Oh, man, it's Herschel Walker. But but if you ask some of the historians, they'll tell you, or at least one historian, Cornell Green was a pretty good player. I'll take Cornell Green. Good. Cornell Let's Green. Go. Cornell Green, man, I didn't know anything about him until last year, and we did something about him on our the show I do with Kelsey Charles. I was like, holy crap, he was, this guy's amazing. Yeah, Hell yeah. Yeah, he was he was a freak. I mean, I know Brad Sham will say it he, for years. He said he needs to be in the Ring of Honor, and yeah. you know he just he hasn't been. But I'll, I'll say this about Herschel Walker, and I, you and I have argued about this a little bit. I think Herschel Walker needs to be considered for the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yes, I mean, Pro Football Hall this of guy, Fame. I know this Not guy. NFL his stats. If you just add him up since he left college, he would be like the second leading rusher or third leading rusher in the history of the league. I mean, he he was putting up ridiculous. So, what about Doug Flutie? Do you think Doug Flutie belongs yes. in? Yes, yeah. 100%. I'm just asking. I'm yes. I do. I do. Make sure it's consistent. Or definitely consistent. It's a Pro yeah. Football Hall, Hall of Fame. Herschel Walker. You got to remember. I mean, because I mean, think about what running backs coming out of the league get all you know hit and all that. He was getting like 2,200 yards in the USFL. Then he comes to the Cowboys and really just changed the whole franchise with just how good he was and what he led to. So, 34. I I I'm, I think Herschel Walker. He's one of my favorites. Of course. You know, I was a kid. I was a Tony Dorsett fan, and then he came along. He was bigger, stronger, faster. I felt like a traitor, <laughs> yeah. but that's okay. Did you have the jersey? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. And there's a you story. You really about sold that. out. Like- oh, there's a story about that, but that's not for this day. Shouts oh. out to my guy. I, he's Who? not. He's not listening. But shouts out Philip Tanner. Come on. Yeah, come on. My favorite 34. thirty-four. There we go. Again, very narrow, very narrow scope for me. But I See, love PT. I, I, yeah, I can't dude. even go there. Like I can't even think of thirty fours. I try. And well, I just, I, I don't. oh, I mean, with all due respect to PT, of course. See, like he he maybe else? carried the ball ten times in the regular season in his career. It's yeah, you know, I get it. He's very not Herschel Walker. He carried our yeah. flag. We just personally like him because he's yeah. a good dude. Yeah. Wonderful yeah. man. Good dude. All right. Um, this is what actually one of my favorite kind of shows that we're gonna do today. Uh, even though it's not quite the quarter mark because it's 17 games this year, uh, we're going to do a little quarter mark review. Um, okay. I got a ton of questions for you guys that are like big picture questions. And I'm going to uh, do my best not to like do that thing where I just crap on your segments. Please I look, don't. I looked at your rundown and I was like, oh, okay. All right. No. Anyway, go ahead. Well, you just did. So Sorry. Yeah, thank you. You're right. I can't. Um, no, but, <laughs> so, but the point so is. backhanded. I'm, I know, I'm right? not going to crap on it. I yeah. wanted to. I wanted yeah. to. Yeah. I thought about I it and I just said it on air. But hey, you know. No <laughs> I have deal. to let you know how I feel. Okay. Always. So so what we're going to do is we're going to have some of those questions, your big picture questions, and I'll have you guys answer them. And we're going to force Dave to answer because he likes to ride the fence sometimes. So we're going to make <laughs> him answer these questions. And uh, But before we get to that, let's get a quick update on injuries right now. Amari Cooper is the one that, that's most important. To, in my opinion, uh, had a, a, a hamstring injury in the last game. It wasn't a hamstring, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, where does he sit at this point? 
Amari Cooper, he, he's he's not fine. I feel like we say that too often. Where we're like, yeah, he's mm. he's he's going to play against the Giants, but he's dealing he's dealing with some stuff. His ribs probably still hurting him. He's he's got a hamstring added onto it now. I think that hopefully he can use the bye week to get right. But I don't. I have every expectation that he will be playing up until the bye week. But he's dealing with some stuff. Yeah. That's the best way to say it. Dealing with stuff. He said himself he was going to be okay, but I've heard that before too from players. But I, I, I do in this case, he kind of knows his body well, and I think that, you know, and and the the best part is, is I don't think he'll be hurting the team by going out and do and, and playing it. He know? helped him. Yeah. He helped him he on helped it last him, week, no doubt. And I think he's proven, and, and this is not a shot against him, but he's also proven that if he can't go, he won't. Yeah. That happened in the Jets game two years ago, right? So if he can't go, he won't. And, and I think that he, you know, he does what he can to, to to make sure he's out there. I think he will be out there in this game. They announced the hamstring injury for him early in the last game, right? Wasn't it like it was first one of the first quarter? couple series? Yeah. 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 So and, and obviously he had some big plays later in the game. So you think he played through it during that game? Obviously, it's a little different when you're already warmed up, your adrenaline mm-hmm. is already pumping. But that does, uh, I think, bode well uh, for his possibilities of being able to play this yes. week. Let's talk about Trayvon Diggs. He was pulled in the fourth quarter. Uh, where does he sit from a, from a health standpoint? Fine. That's a quote from Mike McCarthy. said he'll be fine. Okay. Uh, doesn't seem like there's – again, I mean, maybe that's something that will be bothering him. But if the coach says you're fine, I assume you're fine. I, I don't Yeah. I don't think that we need to be worried about that moving forward. I think forward. we're really putting – I think we're just kind of taking this a little too far. I mean, because he, he, he had something – he needs to play. They all have something. You, yeah. you play through the game. When it gets out of hand a little bit, if there's a, like we said yesterday, if there's a chance to take him out, take him out. And they did. I think we saw his value in the fourth quarter as much as we saw it in the third. Mm. You know that that's that speaks volumes for him. I mean, because he he played great in that in that you know two interceptions. But when, with him not out there, and he wasn't the only one, but with him not out there, and I think the mindset sort of changed to, like, let's just get through this game. I think Jerry Jones made a really prescient point on his mm-hmm. weekly interview with the fan this morning here in Dallas. And he was like, yeah, that comes with the territory where you're second-guessing why they pulled him. If he aggravates that injury to the point where it's a big deal and you're talking about him missing time playing in a game that you're up by three scores – same thing. Everybody, everybody's even more mad. Yeah, yeah. People are second guessing you even more if you send him back out there and let him to let him get hurt in a game that you pretty much had in hand. I know it got dicey at the end, but it was fine. So, hey, yeah, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't. A lot of times, yep. but he's okay. It's fine. Where are we with the COVID guys? You had Keanu Neal, Bradley, and I both missed last week and the week before. Uh, what happens at this point? Yeah, I didn't realize. Um, all the issues that happen with um, with Keanu Neal until St- Stephen Jones kind of said that in one of his radio interviews that he he had had it, and then I guess he was had to get like four five positive or uh, negative tests, and then after like four negative tests, then the fifth one he gets positive again. Oh, wow. So well, he w- he was a close contact. He didn't even test positive. They right. were like, so there were a few days when he was yeah, gotta isolate. Right. We'll test you five times, That's and right. he That's got right. to the fifth day. And he tested positive. So, right. and then by that point, he was close enough to. Not, obviously, he was going to miss the Eagles game, but he was close enough to the Carolina game that it put yeah. him in jeopardy for that as well. And when you test positive, that restarts your clock, right? Yes. That starts you 100%. on that ten day. Yeah. Uh, Mike McCarthy said yesterday that he was. They were. He's waiting to hear the results of their tests, but he expected them at work today. Okay. So I. Hopefully, we will see that they've been activated this. today. 
This, before we get into the, the whole, you know, where they are at the quarter point and all that, I think this is probably the best that we've seen. I think maybe the best that we've felt, or at least I felt, about this team at this point in a long, long time. When you think about the guys that aren't playing, there's some really good players, some mm-hmm. key players on the D line, like of course Tank and, and Neville Gallimore and Tristan Hill, if he can get back, and even uh, Joseph and Keanu Neal, Carlos Watkins, he Carlos was be Watkins, for exactly. You. A lot of guys like that. Lyle Collins, if he returns to the starting lineup, um, wow. I'm just Jeez. we'll talk know. about that a little. I later. don't know. Good lord, I don't know. No, he will. <laughs> Maybe not a tackle. Want to move the guard? Okay. All <laughs> That's right. What people are, no, I'm saying there's some really good here players. Michael go. Gallup. A yeah. lot of players that are not here. And, and you have to remember, there's going to be guys that get hurt. And there's going to be COVID. And the, so there, there will be something, a setback. But you're also getting guys. You're going to get better than what it looks right now. And it looks really good right yep. now. So you, you have guys to come back to offset whatever happens in the future, if at all. I mean, I just think this is this thing is as positive as I remember in a while. That's actually a really interesting point because I'll I'll ask you guys to go back now for me and think about some of the years when Dallas had really good teams. You think about 2016, 2014, 2007, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, in those years, it doesn't. I don't recall them having this level of injury to this level of player in those seasons. It seems like they were relatively healthy in those seasons when they were really good. Do you you guys recall that or do you think it was you know similar type situations they were just so able to overcome it with depth? Nothing was like 16. 16 it was just it was just you were just waiting for the bag to to drop, you know, like you, know, you have the milk with like wet, you yeah. know, bag. It's just going to drop at some point, but it never does. And yeah. in fact, it just gets stronger and stronger and you're like What's going on here? I mean, it, it was just the babies. They didn't know any better. They it, were just it was, out there balling, was, and they didn't know any. Yeah, yeah. It, it was one of the one of the greatest years, and then just a sick ending at the end, just yeah. the way it went down like that. But um, and that, obviously nothing. The, there was an injury that catapulted them into that, right. With Romo, but nothing. obviously they were able and, to and in fourteen, Romo was hurt. You got to remember that year started with a terrible loss to the 49ers yeah. when you know on the road at AT&T Stadium and it's like that was <laughs> it was bad and then he didn't look anywhere close to that in the next game against I think Tennessee Romo didn't hit his stride that year until December yeah really I mean if, if, if he had played and I'm not knocking him but if he had played at the level that he played for the last five weeks for more of the season he might have won MVP yeah. like he didn't mm-hmm. really he didn't catch fire until the narrative had already kind of been written for that year yeah um that was a, and that was a fun year too. They just kind of that's when they figured out because it was the first year he'd ever had a real running game. Yeah, and it was like, oh, so this is what this is like. They they, they developed into a team like this one uh-huh. where you had it was multi dimensional. You could do a lot of different things. With they it. did lose. Um, they did lose Sean Lee on the second day of that year. Um, so obviously that's significant. Yeah. But yeah, I mean my memory's fuzzy, but I don't remember them juggling as many. Things as they're doing right now, especially when you throw COVID in there as well, where guys that aren't hurt are missing games. Didn't have Randy for week two. Didn't have Keanu Neal this past week. I know there's been other guys, but those are probably the two biggest, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And then Lyle's not hurt either. He's suspended, so that's uh, yeah. So no, I don't. I, I don't am, remember those years being. I am like curious this. to see how Keanu Neal kind of fits back into it. Um, he didn't do a whole lot in that first game that I remember against the the Bucks. I mean, I know that they have a good role for him, but I wonder whose whose spot he takes. Um, does he take Leighton's Leighton's spot in the nickel? 
does he does he take um, J. Ron Curse, who's played some different stuff? And hope not. Don't hope not on there. So I'm kind of wondering how it's all going to. Good problem to have. I'm just yeah. saying I don't know exactly what happens when he comes back. You didn't mention Jalen. Yeah. Well, yeah, he could take Jalen's spot. I mean, he, may, he probably will take Jalen's spot there. It is a good problem to have. Yeah. Yep. All right, we're going to take our first break a little early. We're going to come back. We're going to get into our quarter season review. i got a lot of questions for these guys. We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting Cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at Stetson.com Cowboys. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing the star where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going bank of america is proud to be the official bank of the dallas cowboys and to support the quest of living life the cowboys way copyright 2020 bank of america corporation want to use what the pros use how about the official men's skincare brand of the dallas cowboys jack black Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks. Free shipping. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. Back to the break. Be the first to receive new offers, event info, and more when you sign up to receive text messages from the team. You text COWBOYS to NFLDAL. That's 635-325. You receive 10% off your next pro shop order. Message frequency may vary. Message to data rate plates may apply. Welcome back to the second segment of The Break Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. It is time for the quarter season review. It's a little bit before the quarter of the season because there are 17 games, but we're going to act like it's quarter of the season. All right, so here are the questions. Let's start first with what has been the most impressive performance when you factor in offense, defense, special teams, and factoring in the quality of the opponent they played. Uh, Dallas loses 31-29 to Tampa Bay. Close game. Uh-huh. Uh, they beat the Chargers 2017. They d- dominate the Eagles 41-21. to And then they win this last game against Carolina 36-28. What's been the most impressive performance? This is what I hated. I just... I just we don't... We still don't... You just don't like to think. No, I just... I, no. <laughs> Honestly, I hate... And I, mean, I get it. We're here, like we're 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 filling airtime. It's a runaway train, to quote Mike McCarthy. Like we have to have opinions about these things, but like we don't know. We don't know if the Carolina win was impressive right now. We don't know if the you Bucks know you know? loss was impressive. You, you know what you know? 
You know what you know after four games. It's not meaning that this is no. what it's going to be at the end of the season. It means after four I got, games, what is your opinion? I got visibly angry last night on Sports Center, and I love Scott Van Pelt. I think he's like the best at what he does. But him and the uh, Monday Night Football guys were like, "Yeah." AFC West looking like it goes through LA now. Statement, baby. I'm just like, are we kidding? Are we serious? But that's also that's also part of this. That's also the fun of watching sports is there it's fluid, as my guy Jock, Jock Taylor always says. Sports is fluid. What is true today may not be true two weeks from now. Right. But what we're talking about is today. I, as of today. I care about, but I see, that's my point though, is I think you have to take more of it into account. And so if you're making me answer this, I think losing to the Bucks is yeah. the most impressive okay. thing they've done and that's so fair. far. Bucks. Reigning champs, same team as last year, the most hostile environment. L.A. was a home game. That was a road <laughs> game. Hostile environment. Fans are pumped to raise the banner, fire the cannons, the goat, all that crap. And they go in there, and it was before Tampa. Their secondary is decimated now. It was healthier at the beginning of the season. Uh, and they went toe-to-toe with them, I feel the most confident that Tampa will have a say in the playoff-slash-Super Bowl race out of any of the teams they've played so far. Yeah, I think that our, our thoughts of the team, of what we thought about the team going into the kickoff and after the game probably changed as m- more in the Tampa game than any other. And that and, and that just goes to your expectations and all that. Um, not saying it was an impressive loss or whatever, but I think you saw right there this was a good football team because you know the Bucks are good. That's, that's what he, Dave's trying to say is that it's just hard with all these teams, but not them. Not not with Brady, not with with that coach, not with them returning all those guys back. They're going to be there, and to go in there and play them like that, play them really well. I think you you got a good sense of wait a second, we might have a little something they can figure out how to win, and they have. Yep. So I think that one was was a that was a it was a, it was it was just a good moment to figure out what this team has. We obviously know a lot more about every team than we did at the start of the season, but we still don't know enough to and that's I guess that's my point, but I think the Bucks are the closest thing on their schedule so far to a known commodity. Right. The same way I think even with their struggles, I know they're 2 and 2. The Chiefs are a known commodity in, until proven otherwise. Okay. They would have to fall 3 or 4 games under 500 before I even blinked. Cool. Okay. Most impressive win then. Most impressive win? Chargers. Sure. Go for it. Chargers, Panthers. Why, why, why? Um, little, little bit more adversity. Had to figure out. Had, had to, had to. Well, they had adversity in that game too. I mean, this is going to be a coin flip. But I, I just think that was like a, a, a real test to like this team. You know, they had to figure out how to go and beat them, and they did. And then, they, then they got explosive with it. Um, I just, I just thought it was you know just playmaking on defense, offense. I mean, I think that they're a good team. Chargers though I could I could argue that one too I just think from what I saw I think that one was an impressive game the way they just said no it's not going like this we're going to take control uh, if I mean people are annoyed over the years about the way I talk about Aaron Rodgers get ready for the same thing with Justin Herbert I think the world of him mm-hmm. I, I think he's going to he's going to be in that conversation of guys who run the league before too long if he isn't already there you saw it if you watched the game last night he was incredibly impressive against an undefeated team playing in a Road environment in his own stadium again, by the way. The Which Raiders can happen for them. Yeah. yeah. I have a ton of fans on the West Coast. Um, he's just really impressive. And and he did a lot of the stuff that I thought he would do. Extending plays, chunk plays. 
he's a hard guy to beat because of that arm strength and that athleticism. And um, and the the Chargers played a sloppy game, but that counts, you know. And and the, like we said at the time, the Cowboys didn't. The Cowboys played the cleaner, more composed game. Which says something too. About Absolutely, the it does. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I just, yeah. And I won't. We don't know this right now, but I, I won't be surprised if the Chargers are a factor in the AFC race as well. Got a funny. I got, a, I got an interesting stat that, I, that I kind of came across last night. The Cowboys right now, four games, they've, they've defeated three teams that had a 500 record or better when they faced them. When they faced them, yeah. I mean, they were one and one against the Eagles. They were one and zero. The Chargers were one and zero, and then the Panthers were three and zero. Last year, they didn't they didn't beat anybody that had a five hundred record, and they finished the season. Nobody that they beat was five hundred or better. Yep. So it's early, but it's just it, they've already defeated three teams that have that have had a winning record or five hundred at the time. And consider this: three of the four teams they've played. Have three and one records at this point. Right. Two of the teams they've beaten have three and one records right. at this point. I will say, which when you said that this is the most positive you can remember, I was trying to rack my brain, and 2019 came to mind because that season started off yeah. gangbusters, but they didn't do anything that really impressed you. You know, they beat a bad Giants team, they beat a terrible Dolphins team. I don't remember who they beat week two. Yeah, everybody was saying it, though. You're no, right. Everybody, everybody was saying, was, yeah, it's probably, no. probably Washington. I mean, it's typically what they play in a week, too, like on the road. Right. Uh, I can't remember that, though. That's going to drive me crazy. Yeah. I'll look it up. But um, no, but even that, but people were super high on them. They were like, Kellen Moore's offense is cooking. This is their, this is the truth. And But they hadn't been tested the way that I think they've been tested mm-hmm. this season. And I think that makes a big difference. They did. They beat Washington at FedEx. What was that score? Because 31-21. I can't even. Yeah. Oh, I do remember that. I just remember Zeke. That, that was the uh, that was the game where Dak on the option keeper he stiff yeah, armed Josh it. Norman yeah. mm-hmm. went ran for yeah, like thirty right. yards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then they turned around and lost three in a row. One of which was to a terrible Jets team. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I this is as good as they've looked while playing teams that I think are good yeah. slash decent so yeah. far. But but to take it to the next level, it's got to happen this Sunday. It's got to happen next Sunday. I mean, you got to go do that. You got to you got to win. Keep these stacking games. them. Yeah. You, you can't just say, "Oh, it's New England. It's Belichick." You got to go beat them. Yep. I mean, this is the time to beat them. And the interesting and they part, haven't beaten them since number thirty-four Herschel Walker won a game in <laughs> overtime against them in nineteen eighty-seven. Have not beaten them up there. Yep. My God. Yep. Nick doesn't remember our meeting yesterday, <laughs> but he that. remembers the score of the game before I was born. All right. Next question. <laughs> Best free agent signing: Demonte Casey, Jerron Curse, or Keanu Neal? It's not Neal, not yet. It can't be Neal. I'm. It's got to be. I'm super impressed with Curse. It's got to be Curse, it's, especially because was he, this guy? He wasn't a starter. Was this guy? Yeah, that's. Yeah, it's got to be Curse because we kind of had an idea of what Casey could be, right? I mean, he had a seven interception season. He's played at a high level, but yeah. he's played at a high level under Dan Quinn. Jaron Curse. <laughs> As far as I'm aware, had no history with Dan Quinn. He played for Minnesota and Detroit. And he he said this when we talked to him last week. He was like, yeah, this is similar to what I've done my whole career. And I was like, yeah, dude, but you were playing like 20% of the snaps. You're playing 100% of the snaps now and looking like a beast doing it. 
I'm I'm laughing because last night or or at the end of the day, um, Shannon Gross does this interview with him and Brad Sham do the Cowboys Hour, and J. Ron Curse was the guest. Yeah, and they have a segment on there called "This is what what Wikipedia says about you." So he <laughs> Shannon was looking at Wikipedia about J. Ron Curse, and I didn't know this till he was reading it. He's had some off the field issues. Oh, okay. Yeah, off the field issues like like. Worse, like like Pac-Man Jones type stuff. I mean, oh, I'm, I don't I'm trying to compare him to that. I'm just saying bodyguard. He's, no, no, no. I'm just okay. saying he's got a list of things that have happened in college. And pro- oh boy! And so you know, Shannon's like, I don't yeah, know. I kind of got that list. I don't know what to what to think. About Shannon's this. like, oh, we're not going to play. Yeah, yeah, I don't think we're this playing this what, game. Yeah. So I don't really know what it, what it came out with, but he was just reading all this stuff, and I mean, he he'd had some he'd had some things, but you know, we said in the press box, this guy plays angry, and uh, I even asked him after the game about it, and he was. No, he said something like, "No, not really," because you know I. Yeah, yeah, I play angry. <laughs> yeah, I play angry. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm angry dude when I get on. He, I say this as the highest compliment. He is the type of player that I would hate if he wasn't if he was playing against my team because mm-hmm. he's talking trash after every play. He like shoves you right at the sideline. He's waving at the Eagles on his way off the sideline after that play last week. I, if I was a fan of the opposite team, I would I would just want yeah. to shut him up. He's he's the type of guy that says like, "What are you gonna do?" Yeah, you know, like in a, you know, like, oh cool, you don't like that. What are you gonna do about it? That yeah. and it's like nothing. <laughs> and I and I, I don't I don't mean to take away from Casey at all because he's been yeah, good. He's been real yeah. good. But he's he's this team's free safety. Like if you watch, he's he's twenty yards off the field doing free safety things almost all the I'm time. Be, I'm gonna be pissed if he gets fined. Yeah, no, that would be yeah. bold. That was. That was, that was such, such a, a bad call in my and, opinion. And it just it it I think it was a result of what it looked yeah. like rather than what it really was. See, what did I say about that flag a few weeks ago? Like they look uh the roughing the punter flag. They look for hallmarks. Yeah. Yeah. If the crowd goes, ooh, yeah. flag, flag. And there were twenty was, guys that threw flags. I mean, they all threw yeah. flags when they when it happened. Not all of them could have had that that greatest that look be, at it. That but, should be reviewable. Yeah. yeah and I don't know what else you're supposed and to do. Steven Jones said that um yesterday. He said, you know, we're we we do not as competition committee, we don't want to make this a, a, a everything is a review game. Every play is a reviewable PI reviewable. They, they're trying not to do that, but that seems like I mean that's something that's got to be done. Fifteen yard penalties, yeah. especially the automatic first downs, they just changed the whole game, and that one changed. That that kind of changed the momentum there and really got Carolina in position to go score and get back just, in it. Good safety play is maybe my favorite thing about football. I love it. Like the instincts that it takes and the angles. It's almost like math, like mm-hmm. to be good at it, you know? And and, and I don't want guys headhunting the way that they did. Like Jack Tatum, there's no place for that in the game anymore. But you can do everything right and make an amazing play. Separate the guy from the ball. And like, still you know, and still get penalized for and that's, it. It just that's sucks. The, that's the NFL. In college, well, in college, you get kicked out of the game. You get kicked out of the game. Yeah, and that's just it. You know, and then then we sit here and go, man, why didn't he make a play over the middle? Because he wants he to stay in the game. Yeah, he can't. So, all right, let's go on to the next question. And I, I will say that one was an example of it. But there are going to be more questions like this where there can be more than one right answer. I, did, I didn't. I just want to finish my point that yeah. they've got Curse playing like six positions right now. Yeah. He plays like big dime linebacker. He play. He can play too high. He's played in the slot. And the place where he usually is is lined up over the tight end. I mean, they put him down in the box like that all the time. Yeah, you mentioned what are they going to do when they play the the Raiders. I think that was you mentioned that on Twitter. Yep. I think he's going to be a good candidate for. Can I throw a fourth guy in there? And that and on your list, sure. Let's not overlook the fact. 
Brian Anger is a good punter. He's a good punter. He he he's doing a nice job, and I know that nobody wants them to punt, and they're frustrated when he's on the field or whatever. But he is a good punter. There's a reason why John uh, Fossil wanted him, and and I mean I I've been very impressed with him. He he, he has good you know he angles it well, good distance. I mean, he's going to put it on the on the nine yard line if it's like around midfield. He's going to do what his job and all that. I I think he's been impressive as well. I think right. that's the first time I've thought about him this year, which yeah. speaks to how well he's playing. Yeah, he's done right, a nice exactly. job. I mean, and that's what he's supposed to do. All right, so this may be the hardest question we got. Who is the most important defender, Trayvon Diggs or Micah Parsons? Mm. Micah Parsons. It's not to me. It's not even close. Micah Parsons is the most important defender. What? Because he allows them. You don't know. You you know pretty much what Diggs is going to do. He's going to guard your your best guy. Can he stop him? And that's that's great. That, that is a great thing to have. But you don't know right now what Micah Parsons where he's going to line up. What type of player he's going to be? Is he going to be a rusher right in the middle of the gaps? Is he going to be on the outside? Is he going to play linebacker? You have to figure it out because he makes that much of a difference, and he's going to change the whole defense based off of where he is. I think he has been by far the the most important player. Argue with me though. I I mean I don't disagree with anything you just said, but I have I just I have a hard time taking that away from Diggs after what he's done and yeah. that's that conversation is really fascinating because it's an age-old football mm-hmm. adage that mm-hmm. pressure means everything. But over, like in recent years we're really we're seeing teams challenge that. Like the Patriots and the Dolphins uh, even the Seahawks a decade ago, like you build from the back up, and if you have really elite coverage, it can help your pass rush. And I wonder, and I don't know this, I'm just kind of thinking out loud, but I wonder how much it helps the pass rush if the quarterback is hesitating that much. Like, is he open, first of all? Do I want, and especially moving forward now, where you're like, do I even want to test that guy? Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, you've hesitated just enough that somebody's getting home. Because, and I don't want to take too much away from him. And Dan Quinn deserves a lot of credit, but did all these guys suddenly turn into, like, do the Cowboys just have five all pros rushing the passer all of a sudden, or is something else happening that's giving them that extra time to get home? And I think Trayvon Diggs is a big part of that. Yeah, I think, go ahead. You could argue it the other way. You know, you could you say that they haven't got interceptions like that in the past. Is it it now all of a sudden this pass rush that's helping? I mean, my only thing is if the teams want to, take Trayvon Diggs out of the game and just not mess with them, they can. That also means their number one receiver is going to be out of the game, That's too. exactly right. But can you take Micah Parsons out of the game? Can you just say, I don't want to mess with Parsons today? Depends on how much Dallas moves around. It's not around. your choice. Which, and it sounds like they're moving around maybe what we've seen. Right. But it's not lot, the so quarterback's yeah. choice to take Parsons out of the game because he's going to be in his face. It, you know, So that's why I think he... I mean, this is a great argument to have because well, it's like whoever's second is a really damn good second. I will say this. like If they wanted to just say, we're going to make sure that Michael Parsons doesn't beat us, they can do that. They can adjust their project protections for wherever he is and say, we're going to make sure that we got multiple guys make, taking care of him. Problem with that is the same thing that you talk about with Trayvon. you got to give something up in order to do that, which mm-hmm. means now you're going to make uh, Randy Gregory – have one guy trying to, to, to defend him. And that's the part where it makes it really interesting is if you're going to take either one of those two out of the game, it means that you got to give up something. you got to give up something major. And that's where I think it helps. And that's where I think it, this question really is a hard question to answer. Mm-hmm. The one area that I would say that does create a difference for me is so far the takeaways have come from um, from Diggs. And that those are game-changing plays. Those are change, mm-hmm. game, plays that, that you need if you're going to be successful in this league. So – to me, that that would be my if I'm like really, really trying to figure out 
How do I, you know, find that difference between two guys that are really equally yoked? I think that's the difference for me. I should know this, but I don't. We, I mean, Diggs had one pick that led directly to a touchdown because he scored it. But how many points off of his takeaways have they gotten? Well, they got 10 in this last game because one of them was a touchdown, one was a field goal. Mm-hmm. So that's that's 10 points Tampa, in a game that he won by eight. I'm not sure about the Tampa game, but, I mean, they were down there. They probably scored. Did they score after I, his interception in L.A.? I don't remember. Um, can't even remember his interception in L.A. The one It was a di- the diving one against yeah, that was. Um, oh, yeah. That was, in my opinion, one of the most. No, that, that threw, got picked that, off the next drive. Off. Yeah, okay. Um, but, but, you know, to your point about the interceptions and, like, where are they coming from, the pressure – that last, or the one in Carolina, I mean, against Carolina where he was like playing safety. Yeah, that was kind of a product of the defense. But some of the, most of the others, he's he's made the play. Yep. I mean, there's nothing about scheme. That's just him being yep. close enough and recognizing where the pass is and then having the ability to go jumping. Yep. All right, we're going to take our final break when we come back. The question I'm going to have for these guys is which player has been more productive in backup duty? There are a lot of guys that are Oof. playing right now as backups. Who's been most productive? We'll do that when we come right back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. Hi, I'm Clint Tillerson with United Ag and Turf. Before you can park yourself in front of the game, park yourself in a John Deere and power through your chores. Our Land Run package is a 1025R, 25-horsepower tractor with a loader, rotary cutter, and a box blade for $229 a month. And the price you see is the price you'll pay. No surprises. So don't miss another kickoff. Visit unitedagandturf.com. Offer ends February 1st, 2021. Restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Now let's get to work. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. New Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. You deserve it. I do deserve that. You deserve decadent flavor without sugar. And a day at the beach without sand getting everywhere. And a relaxing bath that your children don't interrupt. I deserve all that? It's really just a visual metaphor for Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. Everything you want, nothing you don't. A visual metaphor on the radio. I do deserve that. Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. The zero you deserve is finally here. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com slash cowboys. Back to the break. Download the official app of the Dallas Cowboys to get access to in-market game broadcasts, mobile tickets, daily podcasts, live pregame and postgame shows, game updates, and more. Download in the app or Google Play stores. Welcome back. Final segment of The Break Live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We're doing our quarter-year review. Uh, next question for you guys. Which player has been more productive in backup duty? you got Terrence Still. you got Cedric Wilson. you got J. Ron Curse. you got Oso Digizua. Which has been more impressive? Uh, Terrence Steele. 
Just and that's again. I mean, there's there's not necessarily a wrong answer. To this Jaron Curse yeah. is probably the he's one of the biggest pleasant surprises on the team. Osa, you kidding me? What Osa he's done? Really good. Um, I just say Terrence Steele because we saw how much of a struggle it was last year. And so you have something to compare it to. Jaron Curse, he's never played here before. Uh, obviously, Osa's a rookie, didn't know what to expect. You had an idea of what to expect with Terrence Steele, and it wasn't good. Mm-hmm. And he's completely flipped that narrative on its end. If they thought Terrence Steele was ready to take that leap, they would have never tried to sign Ty Inseki. Mm-hmm. You know, and they brought him in to be the swing tackle. And ra- as it stands right now, and, and Ty Inseki is is cleared to return to the team, and they've already kind of said, I mean, ain't nothing's changing here, of course. Um, I don't know what happens when, when Lyle comes back. I mean, I'm sure he comes back to his spot because he's, he's an established vet and he's a really good player when he's been healthy and all that. But I think just from the confidence standpoint of saying, hey, we know we have a swing tackle now in Terrence Steele. Um, and I don't think they make any moves at guard or center or anything I, like that. I hate how people have a tendency to do that. And we've gotten a lot of questions about it. Mm-hmm. And first of all, I mean, Terrence Steele is a great success story. Lyle Collins, when he's – Healthy and available, which I understand hasn't been enough recently, is damn good. I mean, going 2017, the fire that he got thrown into and the way that he played against guys like Von Miller and and Khalil Mack, I think people tend to forget about that. Um, But then also, why why don't you want to have three really good tackles for a team where neither starter has been able to stay on the field? Yeah, that's a good problem to have. And, and, <laughs> exactly right. And I think, you know, it's it, – but he's done a nice job. And, you know, I, I, I just can't – I'm just so impressed with the power that he's playing with. I mean, he's playing as a stronger player. I mean, in the run game, we're seeing it. Because he has that build that you think. Athletic, he's young, he's, he's going to be okay in the pass. But he's been really good in the run. All right, we're going to extend that question, uh, but I want to make sure you understand the caveat to this. I'm saying who is more in danger of losing their starting job? And by the way, the answer may be that none of them loses their starting job, but I'm asking who is more in danger of those guys we just mentioned. So it will be Lyle Collins, Michael Gallup, Donovan Wilson, and Neville Gallimore. Who's more in danger of losing their starting job? I'd say Donovan Donovan Wilson. Wilson. I swear I wasn't waiting for you to talk first. I just, but the, the reason, just, yeah, the reason I had it hesitated. No Neville Gallimore because I, I was like no. between those two. I was thinking about him and I'm like, Osa's been really good, and we know how it goes in football. Like the younger guy, if he's really good, kind of gets the the edge sometimes. Defensive line is you. I mean, you rotate. You rotate yeah, I just don't even think much about who starts in it this. It doesn't one matter. Anymore. Yeah, which I mean, Brent Urban's probably going to be off the field more. True. That's the guy I think. Brent Urban might probably unless he's at D at at yeah at, at a tech one technique. I could see Gallimore kind of playing that. Um, yeah, I think he can do both. You think you could put Gallimore and and Osa on the field at the same mm-hmm. time? I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'd like to see that. Um, I just I just feel like Donovan Wilson. I mean, if they were so it's kind of the same thing I just said about Steele. But if they were so sold on Donovan Wilson. They wouldn't have signed every safety that's that has some value to him in the whole offseason. I mean, they wanted to get better there. And I think they thought he could be a pretty good player. I think they were hoping that some somebody sticks with this Malik Hooker and and Casey and Curse. And they all have. They're all kind of yeah. sticking. Right. You know? I think the, they threw a lot of things at it hoping that yeah. one or two would stick. Yeah. The reason I hesitated is just because it's not so much that like J. Ron Curse or anybody else is definitively better than Dono, but... 
you can specialize those roles so much. Like I just talked about all the things J. Ron Kirst does. Do you want Donovan Wilson manning up on a, on a tight end? Probably not. He, he gives up a little more not size. regularly, yeah. Yeah. Same thing. Curse is 6'4", 215. He can come down and play linebacker in a dime, and you can you can get extra faster DBs on the field and still have him out there and be in a dime formation. Maybe Donovan can do that with him, but I just think you can specialize things a little bit more with Curse. And so I hesitate to say, like, take his starting job, but I do think Curse will eat into his snaps because they want to find ways mm-hmm. to get him onto, those, onto the field in those sub packages. All right. Next question. Considering all they've dealt with, and I'm including injuries, I'm including the expectations that they had. And by the way, good expectations and bad expectations can all have consequences. You got a lot of expectations to be great. That can be a lot of pressure as well, right? All those things being considered, considered, who has done a better job, Dan Quinn or Kellen Moore? I, it, Dan, Quinn. Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn, just because we knew the offense was going to be good. I mean, this is Dak's sixth year basically doing the same thing, his third year with Kellen as mm-hmm. a, yeah, third year with Kellen as the coordinator. And you, I mean, you have Dak, uh, we, we can go on and on about all the talent on the offense. The whole narrative all offseason was like, can you get enough from the defense for them to be worth a damn? And they're better than worth a damn yeah. right now. But do, do you give a little bit more? Deference to the fact that you look at this this offense, and not only have they been good, they've been good in so many different ways, and that is about the coordinator, right? Kellen yes. Moore's doing a great yeah, job. If you're asking me who's done, done it, it. like, it, and I grade on a curve, I always do. Yeah. The expectations for the defense were in the toilet; they were awful last year, yeah. and they're good. Well, they're fine. I mean, I don't want to overhype them too much. They're fine, but fine is good enough when you when you have that offense, and we knew that they would. Every reasonable expectation was that the offense would hum like this, and it is. Yeah, and I also think that the offense has helped the defense because they've gotten some fast yeah. leads, and, and they've gotten you know the, the offense. A couple games they had the ball, sure, the vast majority. So of they time. they yeah. they've done a great job. They've helped the defense, but I mean, I don't think it's just been a product of that. I think the defense has done a really nice job taking the ball away. Um, you know, they on, on sometimes on some short fields they've come out there. They've done pretty good in the red zone. Um, you know, I, I just I think it's. I think from an expectation standpoint, the defense, and especially when you talk about all those guys that have been banged up, a lot of them are on the defense. They've had to go tap into the depth, and and it's still working out. And it's we didn't have it for so long. Like the way Dan Quinn can completely rearrange things in a given week to maximize their. I mean, moving Micah to end is the obvious example, but he's done it with a lot of guys. We didn't have that for so long. It was always line up and do what we do the best that we can and hope for the best. And Dan Quinn is like, why would I do that? Like, based on what we're seeing from their personnel, we're going to alter this thing and put guys in the best position. Randy said that after the game. Randy was like, he's so good at putting guys in the position that they need to be in to make plays. I've said this. I'm sorry. No, that wasn't the case for a long time. No, it hasn't been the case. And I've said this so many times. I just think the the combination of, of making it simplified for the players, but it's still exotic enough that everybody's moving around. And the fact is that they're playing a lot of young guys, too. Young guys, first year of this defense, and doing things. He is the furthest thing from vanilla. This defense is not that. And it's this mixed you know, combination of a lot. This has been – it's been fun. And I, that's why I think Micah Parsons is kind of the centerpiece. I don't play chess. I don't know what, what that piece is called but that does all the stuff. The queen? The queen? Yeah. She can do whatever she wants to do. Well, I don't want to call Micah Parsons the queen, but, I mean, she's kind of 
You, you called him that. I yeah. And I called I, him the Rook. We're in we're in 2021. I hope we're all mature enough to realize <laughs> that we're talking about chess pieces here. Right. He is he's he's a queen in yeah. in chess, and that's exactly what you want him to be. You move all over the board. That's I think like a traditional defensive end is like a Rook. Like it's all. I mean, if you only need to go one direction, it's great. It's when you got to change it up that that's a problem, and that's yeah. why. I I hope they keep moving him around and making him as versatile as they mm-hmm. possibly can because it's it's fun to think that again like it football's like chess it's like okay you want to put Rashawn Slater over there we'll move him over here or if you, you you we feel bad about the matchup on the line we'll drop him back into coverage we can blitz him through the a gap if we want to there's so much fun stuff you can do all right real quick we don't have much time left uh, I had another question I want to get to but I want to get to this final question if you had to rank the next quarter so let's look. At the next quarter of the season, rank the next four opponents uh, from most challenging to least challenging. Let's and you got uh, New York, you got at New England, at Minnesota, and Denver. Um, most challenging of that group. At at New England, okay, I think was the most challenging of that. I. I would have said Vikings until I watched that game on Sunday. <laughs> no, I'm still. Like, I know. And before that, you're yeah. right. Before that, they had looked pretty good in some and games. Yeah. I know the weather sucked, but to hold that offense down like that, yeah. force them to settle for as many field goals as they did. And by the way, it's Foxborough in no in October. Like the weather might suck yeah, when might they suck. go up there in a couple weeks. Yeah. So, yeah, that, New that's England going to be a tough one. But Minnesota's a tough place to play. Why? Damn horn! When I hear that. When you hear that horn, you just assume your quarterback's getting scraped off the field with a spatula. Thanks for joining us, Brian Broaddus. Um, yeah, those those two, especially back to back road games. I, I'm so not. That's one well, and two. There's a bye week in between, though. No, I know, well, you're right, but just yeah, both yeah. two games in a row on the road. Um, that's one and two. Give me three. Den- Denver's going to be tough. Denver's going to be tough. Let's just let's face it. I mean, there'll be a lot of orange out there. It's AT and T Stadium. It's a home, but I mean, Denver doesn't come to town much. Last time they did, Peyton Manning was the quarterback. I mean, they'll have a lot of fans there. They're playing well. That that could be a, a tough game. Yeah. I mean, I'm not impressed by what Denver's done to this point in the season. Got their butts kicked by Baltimore. Uh, two days ago, but I have a very low opinion of the Giants, so Denver by default. Okay, all right, that's a, a wrap. Uh, we appreciate you guys, Jones. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to start getting you guys ready for those Giants. Uh, another second, I guess, second uh, opportunity this, this season that the Cowboys will have uh, to face a division opponent, an opportunity to maybe get to two and zero in the division. That's always a good thing. We'll talk about that more tomorrow. Bucky Brooks will join us till then for Nick Eben, Dave Hellman. I am Derek Eagleton. This has been the break live on DallasCowboys.com. Radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!